0: I love it when you read to me. Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz.
1: You are not hearing things. It is really, really me. And it's so good to be back with you after a very, very unexpected and unplanned absence due to health reasons. But thankfully... I am doing much, much better, and I am able to resume doing what I love, which is talking to you about books. And an extra special welcome to you. If you suffer from, let's hope I get this right, decatriophobia. If you know, you know. Uh, if you don't know, I'll tell you. The fear of Friday the 13th, which it is today. If you suffer from triskaidekaphobia. That's actually a completely different thing. I actually thought that triskaidekaphobia was fear of Friday the 13th, but apparently that is actually a fear of anything to do with the number 13. Whichever one you suffer from or don't suffer from, I hope that today is very kind and gentle to you. So, to ease us into the year, I thought it would be a nice idea to stay in the holiday mode for as long as possible. Well, why not? And it's not quite mid-January yet, so we can still kind of reminisce about those calmer December days. And I thought it would be a nice time to catch up and find out what people had been reading while they had some downtime. Not everybody went on holiday, but hopefully December was a bit slower and people were able to catch up on some reading. So I took to the socials, as one does, to find out what people's favorite holiday reads had been. So thank you to all of those, and I'm not going to mention them by name because obviously I would forget someone. And, um, I really, really appreciate the people who responded from Joburg Jewish Mommies, where every discerning Joburg mom heads off to before even thinking of Google. And, uh, another fantastic resource and an amazing book club group on Facebook is a, a group called Read Any Good Books Lately Book Club. So thank you to all of you who responded. Some of the responses were, as expected, the big books of the season and ones that I've mentioned and chatted about on the show before. But there were some surprises and some that I'd never heard of before. Um, So, And and I want to just remind you that a great read doesn't have to be the latest bestseller it can literally be anything any book you want to pick up, anything you 've heard of an old book, and there are many people personally i don 't often do this myself. There are people who reread books on an annual basis, they reread books that they they love to remind themselves of of whatever they want to remind themselves of but um A good book is whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be whatever has just come out or hit the bestseller list. So after this, we are going to get into what some of the recommendations were for some favorite books over the holiday season.
0: I love it
1: when you
0: read to me This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz.
1: Yes, this is Janice Leibovitz and you're listening to People of the Book. And today we are just doing a recap of what people enjoyed reading over their December break. Um, as I said, not everyone did take a break, but hopefully everyone got a chance to take it a bit slower and have some time to catch up on some reading. So some recommendations that I received were books that I had chatted about over the, sh- over previous shows. And I am going to first cover those before getting to some of the ones that were a bit more surprising. Some were possibly a bit more obscure, but let's get to the more common and more better known titles. So the first one, let's get this one out of the way. Um, All the Broken Places by John Boyne. I mean, controversial, to say the least. Uh, It's the follow-up to The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas which is slated as as Holocaust um, historical fiction. Uh, it used to be a set work. I'm not sure if it is used anymore. Holocaust um, educators will tell you that don't touch it, don't go near it. Uh, let's be honest, it's fiction. John Boyne never claimed to be a historical nonfiction author, and it's fiction. So and people love this book. Um, he has been called um a nazi. He's been accused of being a nazi an anti-semite, but nevertheless the books are really popular. And I still have this sitting on my shelf. I haven't actually read it yet. Um I will. I'm I'm going to get to it. It's about a uh, 91-year-old Greta Um, If you have read The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, you will know that she is the sister of the little German boy who befriended a Jewish boy in Auschwitz, and their father was the camp commandant. And she's now living a quiet and comfortable life. She doesn't talk about her past, her disturbing past, and she doesn't talk about her escape from Nazi Germany when she was 12 years old. And this is now about her quiet life uh, living in an apartment block. But when a new family moves into the apartment below her, she becomes friendly with their little boy. And his presence does bring back memories that she'd rather forget. And one night she witnesses a very disturbing, violent argument between his mother and his father. And that threatens everything that Gretel has, has struggled to achieve up until now. And All the Broken Places moves back and forth between her her girlhood in Germany, present-day London, and it's about what the choices in your life can cost you. Whatever you may think of John Boyne, read it, don't read it. I mean, it's it's, as I say, controversial to say the least. And... You know, if, if you are going to read it, take it for what it is. As I say, it's, it's fiction. He never claims it to be more than that. Whatever he's accused of being. If you want to go into more detail and read all the articles that, that have come out about it, then, then go ahead. But take it for what it is. The next one that still comes up often, continues to be popular, um, four years after its first publication, is Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. And as I say, four years ago it was published and its movie release, I think, has increased its popularity. And for once, uh, I haven't seen the film, but apparently it's a stunning success and has done great justice to the book. Um Beautiful cinematography as a backdrop to a very moving story. And if you need a reminder of what it's about, it's about Kaya, who has been nicknamed the Marsh Girl of Barkley Cove, which is a quiet fishing village. She never went to school. Oh, she went to school for a day. It's the late 1960s, and the popular Chase Andrews, you know, wealthy local boy is found dead, and everyone immediately suspects her. She's an easy target. But once you get to know her, she's not what the locals say. She is a born naturalist, and she loves everything about nature. She knows so much about everything natural. It's it's a profound, beautiful coming-of-age story, and it's also a mystery. And it's thought-provoking. It's wise, as I said, deeply moving, and it reminds us that we are shaped by the children that we were and the child within um i haven't seen the film apparently it is a beautiful film i think for me i don't want the film to ruin the book so i'm a bit nervous about seeing it but i have been um told that i shouldn't worry my fabulous hairdresser who is is a very strong person said she actually cried in that film, and she does not cry easily. So uh, that's that's um, really a recommendation, um, I would say. So that's where the Crawdads sing. It always comes up on a list when when you're asking for recommendations, and I think we're all waiting to see how Delia Owens follows this up when when one comes out with a debut novel that is so fabulous and and wins so many accolades and is so admired uh one is a bit worried about well where to from here so yes i think we're all waiting to see what next from delia owens the other one that um is always highly recommended and also always comes up on recommended lists published 5 years ago and i mean she's had subsequent bestsellers, I think she's coming out with one every year since then, is from Taylor Jenkins Reid. And this is one of her earlier books, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I loved this book. And although I enjoy all her books, this is definitely one of her best, um, uh, one, definitely one of her best books. It's it's always on the bestseller list and lists. And it's... It's always It always comes up in discussions when you're asking people what books are their favorite books. It's the story of an aging and reclusive Hollywood um, star. She's an icon, Evelyn Hugo, surprise, surprise, who finally is ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. And she chooses an unknown magazine reporter, by the name of Monique Grant, to do the job. And Monique is fascinated as the actress finally tells her story from uh, making her way to L.A. in the 1950s to her final decision to leave show business in the 80s. And, of course, she talks about the seven husbands that she had along the way. Um, it's also, interestingly, a sad reminder of of what those in the spotlight Give up along the way to attain and maintain glory and adulation. And I'm not going to talk about, uh, the book that came out this week, um, about, about that. So, um, but, but the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo is amazing.
0: Lovely book. I love it when you read to me. This is people of the book with Janice Leibovitz.
1: You are listening to People of the Book and we are chatting about some of people's favorite holiday reads. Some of the, the titles were quite obvious and some of, um, some of the best sellers from the last year or so and titles that I have chatted about in depth on the show. So we're going through those first. The next book, I think this has fast become A modern classic. It's, it's really, it's a, a, it became a fast favorite as soon as it hit the shelves. It's Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. And I think reading this, I think we all first thought, who was this based on? Because, um, I think Elizabeth Zott was such a, a heroine. She, it's a story of a, of a really determined female chemist who's fighting a male dominated system in the early sixties. And it topped the bestseller list as soon as it, it hit the shelves. And it continues to be a favorite and a much talked about book. I've spoken at length about it. She's, she's determined to, to overcome every single adversity thrown in her path. And really she, 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 she self-sabotages all the time and it's funny and it's sad and it's moving and it's, she lands up hosting a, a TV, um, foodie show. But what she's actually doing is, is she's teaching women how to, to grab hold of their own independence. Um, and all the time she's just fighting a system that doesn't want her there and, Hopefully, one one likes to think we've come a long way, but I think a lot of the time it's five steps forward, two steps back. Uh, It's a bit of a dance, but this book is really, it's it's fabulous. I was surprised when I was looking at reviews and, and saw a lot of negative reviews about it. People couldn't stand her character. They didn't like her um there's a fabulous dog in the book and people hated the dog i mean I, I don't get that i don't get how people write that in a review that they didn't understand the dog they didn't whatever um you do you but um it's a modern classic it's it's going to remain i think one of the most popular books um of all time really and uh well done to her as i said um with with uh Delia Owens, I think we're waiting to see what Bonnie Garmus comes up with next. Uh, it's going to be a tough act to follow. Uh, the next one, a local book that, uh, it's, a, it's won an award, I think quite recently, Children of Sugarcane by Joanne Joseph, and we're very proud of her. Um, I'm embarrassed to say this is sitting on my shelf and I haven't read this one either. Uh, it's, it continues to impress whoever reads it. And it's, this is, as I say, sitting there waiting for an opportunity for me to read it. And it's set against the backdrop of 19th century India and, um, the British owned sugarcane plantations of what was then Natal. And it paints an intimate and really gut wrenching picture of indentured labor told from the female perspective. And uh, I do know that, that it's, it's quite, Heart wrenching and gut wrenching for those who, who had ancestors who were indentured labourers. It's, it's quite, um, it's quite a deep read, but, but it's, it's outstanding apparently. I just know accolades galore. And as I say, it's award winning. It's a local book. Children of Sugarcane by Joanne Joseph, also recommended by quite a few people who read this over over the holiday break, so now we 're going to move on to some other books that were mentioned uh, that by numerous people you know if if I was to go through every single book that that people had recommended, I would need a few hours and as I say, thank you so much again to all the people who who participated and who responded when I asked for people to tell me what they had enjoyed reading over the holidays because really without you, you know, if without those responses, I don't have a show. So I really do appreciate it. And as I say, it was interesting to see that there were certain books that, that numerous people had mentioned. So those were the books that I focused on and went and looked up. So this one, Really, uh, I was quite amazed at, I mean, I had heard of it. I was amazed at the number of people who, who spoke about this book. And it's The Boy Who Never Gave Up. It's by Dr. Emmanuel Taban and Andrew Crofts. And it's about Emmanuel Taban, who in 1994 was just 16 when he walked out of war-torn Sudan with nothing and nowhere to go after he was tortured tortured by the government by government forces and falsely accused of spying for the rebels and when he finally managed to escape he literally took a wrong turn and instead of being reunited with his family he ended up in neighboring Eritrea as a refugee and over the following months he went on a harrowing journey um After spending weeks on the streets and facing, un I mean, unimaginable danger, he relied on the generosity of strangers, and he made the long journey south to South Africa via Ethiopia, Kenya, Tanzania, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe, and he traveled mostly by bus and on foot. And when he reached Johannesburg, it was 18 months after he had fled Sudan, and he was determined to resume his education. And he managed to complete his schooling with the help of Catholic missionaries and entered medical school and he qualified as a doctor. He eventually eventually specialized in pulmonology and his skill and his dedication as a physician and his, I mean, dogged, stubborn refusal to be discouraged by setbacks and one can only imagine what those setbacks were led to an important discovery in the treatment of hypoxemic COVID-19 patients. Um, he never ever gave up and he rose above extreme poverty and xenophobia and I mean, it's racism. And he's a South African legend and this is his story. It sounds incredible and I definitely want to get my hands on this book and read it. As I say, so many people recommended it. It was actually quite amazing. So this is one I really want to get my hands on. I mean, I know you, you, I know you're thinking, how many books does she want to get her hands on? She hasn't read half the books and she wants to get her hands on another book. And yeah, this one sounds like a real must read. That's The Boy Who Never Gave Up by Dr. Emmanuel. Taban. Um I was actually quite interested to see that non-fiction books were quite popular. But it's memoir; it's it's people overcoming adversity, and it's actual stories, stories of people's lives um, of overcoming adversity and achievement. Um, those are the stories that seem to attract readers. And, and that was, that was quite interesting to me. I always love to see what, what is most interesting for people to read. And one thinks that, that especially during holiday time, why, people like escapism, um, fiction, you know, far-fetched stuff. But people are reading very real stuff, very real stories and very true to life stories and i found that quite interesting and um it's it, if you are thinking of writing a book about your life if you've overcome something well people are there is an audience for it people want to read your story so now is the time new year new you uh i'm not not so sure about new year resolutions but uh get to it there's an audience out there waiting for you so next book, and I love this book. This is one of my favorite books um, over the holidays. It's a book called The Maid by Nita Prose. Um, It's about Molly Gray, who is not like everyone else. She struggles with social skills and often misreads the intention of others. And it makes for quite touching and amusing reading. Her gran used to interpret the world for her. And she used to codify it into simple rules that Molly could live by. She's quite similar to Eleanor. Eleanor Oliphant, if you've read Eleanor Oliphant, is completely fine. Now, I absolutely could not manage to read that book, no matter how many times I've tried. But strangely enough, I've been able to read a few similar books with lead characters who are like Eleanor Oliphant, but never that particular one, which is quite odd. But anyway, back to this one. So, since Molly's grand died, uh, 25 year old Molly has navigated her life, comp- and it's, it's very complex. She finds life complex. She finds people difficult to interpret. And, but she throws herself into things with gusto. She knows what she can manage. She knows her daily routine, and she works as a hotel maid. And she has a very unique character. She has an obsessive love for cleaning and proper etiquette. And it makes her ideal for her job. She absolutely loves putting on her crisp uniform every morning and stocking her, her cleaning cart with the miniature soaps and the little bottles. And she loves the returning guests. And it's, it's really touchingly funny. It's tongue in cheek. It's, it's, it's touching. It's funny. You, you want to think that you're laughing with her rather than at her. But then her orderly laugh is completely turned upside down because she enters the suite of the infamous and wealthy Charles Black to find it in a state of disarray and Mr. Black himself dead in his bed. And before she knows what's happening, her unusual, um, Un- unusual um, routine, everything has been completely thrown into disarray and the police are targeting her as their lead suspect. And she quickly finds herself caught in a web of deception and she has no idea how to untangle it. She doesn't know who to trust. She she doesn't know what's going on because Molly can only work within a structure of routine and rules. Um, but thankfully, friends that she didn't even know she had um, assist her. They come to her her aid, they are by her side, and they help her with a search for for clues to what really happened to Mr. Black. But will they be able to find the real killer before it's too late? It's really a a heartwarming story of, of the spirit. And this book, The Maid, explains what it means to be the same as everyone else, but entirely different. It reveals that all mysteries can be solved through connection to the human heart. It's such a beautiful book. Um, as I say, if you are a fan of Eleanor Oliphant, is completely fine, which I am not, you will enjoy this book. <laughs> and like I said, it's strange that I really didn't enjoy Eleanor Oliphant, but I found myself really enjoying similar books to that, and I have no idea why that one is something that it's just something I I just need to avoid. I've tried, but I can't. Sorry. The next one, um Mad Honey uh, by Jodie Pickled and Jennifer. I can't even read what I've written here, what I've got here. Flanny Boylan. I can't read her name. Sorry, I am reading off my phone as I couldn't print anything out due to load shedding. So, this was another one of my favorite reads over the holiday season. Um, and it seems that Jodie Pickle is back to form with this one. She had a very lukewarm reception to her previous couple of books. And I actually went into this one completely blind. I had no idea what it was about. I knew that it had something to do with beekeeping and a boy whose girlfriend had been murdered. And that was actually all I knew about the book, and it's quite a thick book, so that's not very much to know before starting to read it, but maybe that was all I needed to know, but I'll offer you a little bit more detail, because at the core of this book are themes of identity and how long you should carry your past with you and feel the need to have to declare it despite desperately trying to reinvent yourself to get away from it. And it's also about how much a mother will do to save her child. There are fascinating facts throughout the book about bees. Um, You might think that that doesn't sound very interesting, but believe me, it is. Um, When you are a reader, you need to be open-minded. So pick up a book that is completely out of your comfort zone about a topic that is something you have possibly never been interested in and read that and you'll be amazed at what you learn. So the little facts that are dotted around this book about bees are really, really interesting. And there's also a lovely anecdote at the end of the book about how uh this collaboration came about. Jennifer Finney Boylan had a dream one night that she wrote a book with Jodie Pickled, And it was such a vivid and real dream that she wrote about it on social media the following day and she tagged Jodie Pickled in the post and was thrilled that Jodie actually sent her a DM when she saw that and asked her, what the book was going to be about. What, what is this book that we are writing together in your dream? And the rest, as they say, is mad honey. Um, it's, it's really, it's quite a, an intriguing book. It's, it's a page turner. And hopefully this is, is Jodie Pickle's return to form. Um, there are a few trigger warnings. Um, there's domestic violence. There are transgender issues. But it's a really, really good and absorbing read. So I do recommend it. It's, it's a good one. Uh, the next one that was, was mentioned was A Jewish Girl in Paris by Melanie Levinson. It's Paris, 1940, and a city under German occupation where a young Jewish girl by the name of Judith meets a young man by the name of Christian. He's the son of a wealthy banker who is a Nazi sympathizer, and he knows that his family will never approve of this girl that he's fallen in love with. And as the Germans impose more and more restrictions on Jewish Parisians, the couple secretly plan to flee the country. But before they can make their escape, Judith disappears. It then jumps to Montreal in 1982, and shortly before his death, Luca Greenberg confesses to his daughter, Jacobina, that she has an older half-sister by the name of Judith. Luca escaped the Nazis, but lost all contact with his firstborn daughter. Jacobina promised her father to find her sister that she never knew. And the search languishes for years until Jacobina is spurred on by a young friend by the name of Beatrice. And soon the two women discover a dark family secret stretching over two continents and six decades that will change their lives forever. This was inspired by True Events. It's set against the backdrop of the second world war. And it's um, a powerful novel about forbidden love adapted from a translation by Jamie Lee Searle. And I'm not sure how you feel about fictionalized accounts based on true stories. Up to you, but this was recommended and apparently a very enjoyable and absorbing read.
0: I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz.
1: I am Janice Leibovitz. This is People of the Book. And we are chatting about people's favorite holiday reads. I had asked for recommendations on social media. And I got loads of really interesting responses. And some of them are fascinating. And as I said earlier, um, I was interested to see that a lot of them were non-fiction, interesting stories, memoirs. Um, and like I said as well, a good read and an absorbing read doesn't have to be the latest bestseller. It can be anything you've picked up, anything you've heard about from whenever, whatever, whenever. So whatever um, appeals to you, it doesn't have to be what is on the latest bestseller list. Um, you know, as long as you're reading and enjoying it and it's good, you know, it's good for you. Um, this one really, really appealed to me. It sounds fascinating. It's called The Personal Librarian by Maria Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray. And it's the remarkable little-known story of Bella de Costa Graham, I think. As I say, I can't read so well. I'm reading off my phone. That was photographing off my computer because I couldn't print it out, Um, and she was J.P. Morgan's personal librarian. She became one of the most powerful women in New York, despite the dangerous secret she kept in order to make her dreams come true. Um, It's from the New York Times bestselling author Marie Benedict and acclaimed author Victoria Christopher Murray. In her 20s, Belle da Costa Green is hired by J.P. Morgan to curate a collection of rare manuscripts, books and artwork for his newly built Pierpont Morgan Library. Belle becomes a fixture on the New York society scene and one of the most powerful people in the art and book world, known for her impeccable taste and shrewd negotiating for critical works as she helps build a world-class collection. But Belle has a secret, one she must protect at all costs. She was born not Belle DaCosta Green, but Belle Marlon Greener. She is the daughter of Richard Greener, the first black graduate of Harvard and a well-known advocate for equality. Belle's complexion isn't dark because of her alleged Portuguese heritage that lets her pass as white. Her complexion is dark because she is African American. The personal librarian tells the story of an extraordinary woman famous for her intellect, style and wit and shares the lengths to which she must go for the protection of her family and her legacy, to preserve her carefully crafted white identity in the racist world in which she lives. This sounds absolutely incredible. It sounds like a fascinating read. And, I mean, memoir is... I mean, to hear people's stories that that one could not even imagine that one has never heard about, and this is, as it says, a little-known story... And this one really is amazing and it's so nice to hear referrals like this and, and recommendations like this of books that you'd otherwise never hear about. So thank you for this recommendation. Um, I really appreciate this and I will be looking for this one because this really appeals to me. It sounds amazing. Um, another one is The Velvet Hours by Alison Richmond. And this was, um, Alison Richmond also weaves Very interesting stories based on on truth. She weaves it into her fiction. And she also writes World War II historical novels. And this one is about an elusive courtesan. I can't actually read her name. I'm sorry. Martine de Florian cultivated a life of art and beauty, um, casting out all recollections of her impoverished childhood in the dark alleys of Montmartre, With Europe on the brink of war, she shares her story with her granddaughter, Solange, using her prized possessions to reveal her innermost secrets. Most striking of all are a beautiful string of pearls and a magnificent portrait painted by the Italian artist Giovanni Baldini. As her tale unfolds like velvet itself stitched with its own shadow and light, it helps to guide Solange on her own path and this was inspired by a true account of an abandoned Parisian apartment. And Alison Richmond herself found, the, they found this apartment. It's a very interesting historical story. They found this apartment with artifacts that had been left inside and she wove the story around what had been left in this apartment, what was found in the apartment. Um, very interesting. And I think when you are an author, you are able to weave stories around whatever you see, the people you see. Um, it's like sitting in the coffee shop and creating stories about the people around you, what they do, who they are, and what they're talking about. And Alison Richmond has done this about this apartment that is, there's, there's actually an account about it on an architectural site. And it's quite interesting to see what was left, this, this portrait and the pearls. And this is how she has woven this fictional account of a historical, um, incident, this historical apartment, the Velvet Hours. And apparently a really absorbing and beautiful read. She wrote a well-known novel about a couple who were separated during the Holocaust and were brought together in their much, much more elderly years by, I think it was their grandchildren. And that was beautiful, and I think also based on fact. And she's quite well known for doing that. So that's The Velvet Hours by Alison Richman. One, Faith Hogan Wrote a book recently. I think she wrote the Midnight Swimming Club or the Ladies Midnight Swimming Club. Her new one is the Gin Sisters Promise, and it's about three sisters: Georgia, Iris, and Nola. They are the Gin Sisters. Their initials spell out Gin: Georgia, Iris, and Nola. And their mother dies. And their father is too grief-stricken to actually cope with life. So the sisters make a pact that they will always be there for one another no matter what. But decades later, they haven't spoken for years and can't even stand to be in the same room with each other. And as his health declines, their father comes up with a plan to bring them back together. And in his will, he states that before they can claim their inheritance, they need to spend six months living together in their childhood home in Ireland and try to repair their broken relationships. And as the months progress and the old resentments boil over, new secrets threaten to come out and each sister needs to decide what matters more, pride or their family. Can they overcome their past and find a way to love each other once more? Well, it's Irish, what can I say? If you have listened to the show regularly, you'll know that I'm a sucker for anything Irish. So this is one that I will definitely be reading. Um, so that's The Jin Sisters Promise by Faith Hogan. I hope you've been finding books that appeal to you and writing them down. So um, I've still got
0: a couple more to come. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz.
1: You are listening to People of the Book, and I have been going over some recommendations that I've received of people's favorite holiday reads. The next one um, is Forever Home by Graham Norton. Yes, Graham Norton of The Graham Norton Show. He is a prolific author, um, has written loads of books and um, another Irish-based book. Uh, This one is about Carol, who's a divorced teacher living in a small town in Ireland. Her only son is grown, and she now has a second chance at at love. It brings unexpected connection and belonging. The new relationship, though, sparks local speculation. And people are wondering, what does a woman like her see in a man like that? What happened to his wife who abandoned them all those years ago? But the gossip only serves to bring the couple closer. When Declan becomes ill, things start to fall apart. His children are untrusting and cruel, and Carol is forced to leave their beloved home with its worn worn oak floors and elegant features and move back in with her parents. Carol's mother is determined to get to the bottom of things. She won't see her daughter suffer in this way. It seems there are secrets in Declan's past, strange rumours that were never confronted, and suddenly the house they shared takes on a more sinister significance. In this tense and darkly comic new novel, Norton casts a light on the relationship between mothers and daughters and truth and self-preservation with unnerving effect. And this is, um, you'll see a different side to Norton, to Graham Norton, but um, if you are a, a lover of his show and you watch it regularly, you will see sparks of, of the Graham Norton that you know and love come through in his writing. And if you are a reader of his books, then you will enjoy this because um, he, he does write to type and, uh, yeah, he, he does have a certain way of coming across. He is quite lovable, if I may say. And, uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy his writing. I haven't read this one. I have read other books of his and I think you, you need to, to enjoy his show and you need to understand the way that he comes across. And this one's, this one sounds quite a good one and I'll definitely be reading this. Um one that is quite a doorstopper, never by Ken Follett. I think I mentioned this quite a while ago before it was coming out. It's a doorstopper of a book, as most of his are. It's eight hundred and seventeen pages. Wow. And the person who recommended this, um, I actually asked her how long it took to read. And she said it was so absorbing, it only took her about a week. So I don't think that was so bad. Um, it's it's a thriller. It takes place, it starts off in the Sahara Desert where two intelligence, elite intelligence agents are on the trail of a powerful group of drug smuggling terrorists, risking their lives. And when they fall desperately in love, their careers at every turn, they're risking those too. And nearby, a beautiful young widow fights against human traffickers while traveling illegally to Europe with the help help of a mysterious man who may not be who he says he is. But in China, a senior government official with vast ambitions for himself and his country battles against the older communist hawks in the government who may be pushing China and its close military ally, North Korea, to a place of no return. In the United States, Pauline Green, the country's first woman president, navigates terrorist attacks, illegal arms trading, and the smear campaigns of her blustering political opponent with careful and deft diplomacy. She will do everything in her power to avoid starting an unnecessary war. It's Ken Follett at his best, really. It's apparently riveting, as I say, page-turning, And if you have the time and inclination for 817 pages, go for it. I hope there was something in the show today that appealed to you um, and that you took notes, took down um, the titles, and that you will enjoy these reads that were recommended. Thank you again to everybody who sent me their favorite reads of December. Um, I hope that this year is going to be a great reading year for you. Lots, lots of exciting things to look forward to. We have got lots of exciting things in store for the show this year. And I think that we need to be extra kind to ourselves and to each other. It doesn't matter what you read, but read a book.